recording episode 52. Wow. And what a week it's been. I'm not going to lie. I'm in a bit of a funk and I think I want to really talk about what goes behind closed doors because I don't think it's everything that everybody thinks it is. And I think I believe that from returning from a stint at the Commonwealth Games and having no one bustling around in my home because remember I was doing the uh, bathroom renovation. I've just been kind of in this weird state. I can't explain it, but it just hasn't been the same for me. And I don't know if it's because I just don't know what to do with myself. I know this sounds really weird and whingy, but I always said I'd own my truth. And here I am. So I'm trying now to get out of this funk and plan and give myself a daily dose of purpose, whether it's working out, that might be it for the day. I mean, it's a bit of an intention, really, right? And I prompted myself to ask a question this week. Do we really know what goes on behind closed doors? Either with yourself, other people, really, really, really rare. So I'm going to start with behind closed doors. There's a lot that's gone on this week, hasn't there? I mean, a lot, a lot, a lot. From our queen dying. I just can't, I just can't be a royalist. I'm just not a royalist. Not can't be, I'm not a royalist. So I am finding it really difficult of all the media coverage that's going on. The only time I really felt quite sad with the royal was Lady Diana because I just thought it was very racist. There was no way they were going to let her marry somebody who wasn't English, British, white. There was just no way. I said I'm not into the royals. (laughs) Although I've met Prince Harry and hung out with him. I just find this all a little bit much. But anyway, I wanted to talk about a young life. His name was Arthur Lebinjo Hughes, who became invisible during the pandemic. I kind of jumped here to behind closed doors because I was supposed to speak about this absolutely ages ago. And it was so sad that I couldn't even bring myself to it. But I just want people to realise that while you're going about your daily life that may be good, bad or indifferent, this little boy became invisible during the pandemic. I'm going back to the pandemic again because it's still having its knock-on effects. A court heard that Arthur was violently shaken and suffered an an unsurvivable brain injury when his head was banged against the wall by his stepmother. After his death in 2020, guess what? He had 130 injuries and I think he's only three. He just slipped from view because during the pandemic, kids weren't in school, caseloads were really high with social workers and there were a whole lot of other excuses. And I think we've seen examples of this with relationships that have broken down, marriages, etc. When you're having to be in the same household all day long 24 7 apart from maybe a a trip to the shops there was some shit that was that was going on actually Arthur was only six I guess I think he did not stand a chance against his stepmother and dad and I think I'm just raising this because I felt so sick again when I was reading something in the paper this week about it and his his blood mother is already in prison for manslaughter oh god I'm finding this difficult I don't know why I'm raising this now but he was poisoned with salt and I think I just wonder about corporate punishment sometimes and do we bring it back because those fuckers don't deserve to bloody live that that's a step mother and father so imagine two of his mothers one blood one step one's already in in inside for manslaughter then the stepmother takes a little pop i just like what's it all about and i guess it is my passion for young people runs deep like rivers do and sometimes i just have a tear in my eye and maybe it's because it's been my birthday week i call it earth day the day i came onto this earth and maybe this is why i'm being a bit reflective and i think that in my childhood i didn't really have any physical abuse Mm, some people may say but you did Tina there was one place that I used to live in in this children's home and I was the only black girl 
and I must have been about 10, 11. Yeah, because I got into grammar school. And if you sneezed and didn't put your hand over your mouth, you got a backhander right across your face. And in my case, I got the backhander and I was made to sleep on a mattress on the landing. I just wonder now how much impact that's had on me in relationships and stuff. But I did witness loads of other people who have been abused. And But you're helpless at a young age to do anything about it. I think mine was in the main mental, which has definitely affected me in my adult years and it still affects me now. And I thought about it this week when I turned of age and I thought, let's see where you were 20 years ago. And I don't really want to look back because uh, it's all about the future, isn't it? And I went to something last weekend and the interviewer asked this interviewee, why are we looking back? Why is it a memoir? I'll come on to that in a minute, but it was interesting. But sometimes we have to look back to look forward, I think. I realised that there was some physical abuse, but the mental side for me has made me a little bit of a, I'm not taking any bullshit. And what that translates to is a very direct approach, which is just not cool sometimes. So there you go, people. I'm owning my truth today. This is only two days after my birthday and more Queen bloody coverage. And I just felt I just needed to be honest with myself that my childhood has fucked up my adulthood in some ways. But unlike little Arthur, six years old, 130 injuries, poisoned with salt by his stepmother and his father, is not here to see the day as like so many other young children and some people. I didn't really want this episode to be an impassioned, oh God, let's get the handkerchiefs out, but I'm just feeling that kind of mood. And I did think about not bothering to do a podcast this week, but I thought I am going to do it, but they may become a lot more infrequent unless I'm interviewing somebody. And whilst I was thinking about today, I was thinking about relationships and I just thought, here we go. I've turned another year and I'm single. But I believe in the law of attraction and through some other people, especially somebody that I've interviewed, that that will happen for me. But there was an interesting one about relationships. An interesting fact about relationships is sometimes it's not always what we think we see. And I'm, I'm really guilty of this fact, if I'm honest. I look at some of my friends or other relationships, I said, oh, you look so great together. And there's just been something that's come up recently in the last week even, where I thought this, and I'm sure they are, a rock solid couple, family incident came up and I just thought things would have been played out differently. And it really made me question it. And I thought to myself, if that was me in a relationship, this is what I'd want to happen. On a small tip, I'm kind of glad that I've witnessed it. And you may be saying, but Tina, are you going to try and make your relationship when it happens picture perfect? I'm not. But what I love observing is the things that I do not want in my relationship. And maybe this is why I'm so fanatical about not just handing my energy to anybody. Because it's about energy. And let me tell you something. I'm on these dating sites and the energy some of these guys give you just think, I can't take it on. I can't take it on at all. Anyway, moving on. There was a fantastic, I think it was a drama series called Made, starring Andy McDowell and her daughter. If you haven't seen it, see it. Because it just showed the depth of one woman's resolve to survive against all the odds with her daughter because she was getting mentally and physically abused in her home. And as I said, when you're single as well, particularly, it always appears that everybody's loving each other and in relationships. But yeah. The other big thing for me is I've questioned the relationship with myself. And I do know it's okay, but I'm still sabotaging relationships with friends or... No, not friends. 
<laughs> and it's due to me not taking a breath and my no bullshit approach. But it comes out with some people because things will irk me. And I think the tone, and I've talked about this before, communication is everything. And I'm trying to work on this every damn day. So while I felt like I've been going through this dry, quiet patch, I think the universe is telling me you need to take time out. You need to take time out because you need to reset. And I say that because on my birthday on Thursday, I was supposed to meet up with two people. Now, one was definitely had to be changed because they were abroad. And then I met somebody else for drinks. And I realised when I sat with them, it was a completely different engagement. It was absolutely meant to be. And it was beautiful. And it was enough because I did something else for me on my birthday, which was important. And I reflected again on childhood and what was going on there and maintaining friendships and relationships. And it was very difficult when you're moved around all the time, a little bit like a traveller. Forging relationships is not easy. You're either going too hard or you think you've got something and people think, you know, look, I've got my band of friends. So I've can't, I've kind of learned a lot about myself. But actually, I'm an introvert as well as an extrovert, because sometimes I just want to get back home and just be in my space. And even when someone invites me out, I just think I just get a bit weird and think I look forward to it, but I get very lazy. I actually don't think it is lazy. I think sometimes I think, what's the point? <laughs> I don't know what I'm trying to say here. But I do like being out socially as well. I do like being around people. And uh, it's going to be interesting this week, particularly because uh, a friend um, is a friend in need. and I'm going to help look after her son while she's having to attend to a family emergency. I'm really looking forward to it, actually, you know, taking on these mummy duties for a week and just doing the best that I can to keep her son safe, well fed and in good spirits. I think there was something that I saw on LinkedIn not too long ago, and I'm going to just read it to you because it really was quite powerful. Yesterday, my eldest son went from living with us to living on his own. Maybe on his own is not entirely accurate. He moved to a sheltered housing formula, bringing together students and people with special needs. Remember, this is a guy that posted something on LinkedIn that resonated with me. I don't know whether this environment will be a good fit for him, given his autism spectrum disorder, but he liked it and wanted to give it a try. We'll see how it turns out, and otherwise we're just adapt like we have done for the last 22 years. At this moment, I'm glad and proud that he has paid, that he has, sorry, a paid job and that he's confident enough to make this jump. Even if he was nervous last night, he changed his outfit three times. Why do I share this? Because when we are at work, we don't always realise what people experience at home, aka behind closed doors, what's going on in someone's life. So let's be open to have the full conversation from time to time. And I know it's not my most natural role to be very open myself, but there's a lot of you who can learn by practicing. I kind of love this because this guy was being really transparent, really open. And I often felt when I was working in the corporate world, we're bloody chameleons. We put on this game face, work face. And of course, we have to be professional. But no one knows what's going on behind closed doors. No one knows what's going on behind closed doors. There's some people that may be escaping abuse. There's some people that may be just sleeping on a single bed in a room and they're on their own. And work is just to pay the bills. And there's some that may be having you know, looking after, not having, looking after sick ones. I just thought it was quite powerful. I don't know what you thought. And I think many of us do not have the emotional intelligence to see beyond words that are being spewed. And I do love listening. I've got to get better, but I do love listening to people. I think there's 
there's a lot of people I sometimes speak to and they go, yeah, everything's all right. And it's all this kind of, yeah. And you just think, no, it's not. No, it's not. And you just look for that one little bite and you think, there it is. That's what's going on. So sometimes we do need to be more aware, read body language, read between the lines and really embrace the skill of listening. Because more often than not, we only hear and see what we want to. So on that note, I just want to go off peace somewhat because I need a little rant about my family. My blood family, this is. Not all those families that I've lived with. They say family doesn't have to be blood. And I truly believe that. And some really good friends of mine have said, Tina, just because we're not blood doesn't mean to say that we're not family. I got into a debate about this with a love interest about a couple of months ago, who was adamant and very tunnel vision in my opinion, that blood family is everything and all that counts. You can't beat blood. And I said, what the fuck? What if I haven't got blood that I can really indulge in? And of course, he has the perfect, extraordinarily big family. And he was all about family. I'm not going to lie. And it sounded lovely when I listened to him talk about this person, that person, here, there, everywhere, all living in the same city here, and then loads of family in Jamaica. I mean, this guy's family was huge. Yeah, I'm going around to help my brother say, I'm off to my mum's. And I felt a little bit jealous. But similarly, there are people that have got family and think, team, you're better off that you don't have yours to get on with and stuff. But here's why I struggle with it. This week has been a real mixed bag for me leading up to my born day. My Earth Day, my birthday, as a lot of you will know that as. I get a call out of the blue from an uncle that's the same age as me. His mum, my mum's uh, mum, would have had us at the same age, right? So that's already a bone of contention. In fact, I've realised that's why I've ended up in care people. My gran was pregnant at the same time as my mum, due to my uncle being the same age as me. Imagine that. I won't tell you what came with her knowing, but it wasn't pretty. So we've always had this bittersweet relationship. I've only met my gran once and my mum, you know, even though she's going through the cancer right now, we still don't have a great relationship. It's really push-pull and very rarely speak, even now. I got this picture of my gran sent from my uncle. They live in Canada. And uh, he proceeded to say that my gran was in hospital and that she had contracted pneumonia 12 days ago and got COVID. Now, what was surprising to me is I didn't realise why he was just messaging me out of the blue. I hadn't spoken to my gran for absolutely years because I was cast out from the family for being the devil because I dared to ask a bit of family history and what was going on. Anyway, I kind of put these feelings aside and I thought, Mm, okay. I said, Sean, thanks for letting me know. Maybe we can have a chat. Now, Vancouver is eight hours behind the UK. So I decided I'd phone at the weekend. So we had a good chat and it was very interesting that my uncle, who lived with his mum all the time, my gran, is asking me what went on with my mum, with her, all this stuff. It was just bizarre. It wasn't emotional, everyone. I didn't cry. I just thought, this has got to be the most fucked up family on the planet. I mean, literally, there is nothing that anybody can talk about, honestly. I then got another message from my aunt, who I haven't spoken to for ages as well. And I thought, why is everybody contacting me about this? This is bizarre. And it was just a video of my very frail grandma, who's 92, God bless her, sort of just wandering around this room. So she's got a bit of dementia as well. And I guess they're just trying to get her well enough to get her out of hospital. But my point is, I haven't spoken to them either. Fast forward on my birthday, phone my mum to thank her for my birthday card I get every year. And we really have progressed from Care Bear fluffy cards with a teddy bear on it to, I don't know, daughter and blah, blah, blah. 
and she said, you know, have a beautiful day. And I thought that was really lovely because at the end of the day, we don't have much contact. She is going through what she's going through. The cancer isn't treating her well at the moment, everyone. The side effects, numb feet, numb fingertips, nails breaking. And uh, she's still got to go through radio, uh, radiotherapy, radio, radiography, radiotherapy, because that's the last stage. And she can't go into remission or get told about that until she's done it. And the reason why that hasn't started, where she's had a mastectomy, she can't lift her arm. I'm just being very bold and honest about what's going on. So we had a conversation and it was just to do with, oh, I've heard from blah, 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 blah. She said, they may have been trying to get hold of me. Someone's lost my number. And I said, oh, did you have, a, have you got a good relationship now with Gran? And she said, well, we just talk about how are you? What's the weather like? And at that point, I'm kind of switching off. I'm switching off because this is my family all over. Nobody wants to talk. They just talk about shit. And so um, that was a mixed emotion. It's been quite stressful all week. So I, I, I didn't know what I was supposed to do. But what I have found to do, because we can't live in the past we can't keep going on about the negatives for me to try and build a relationship with my uncle's children and his wife and his family hit him because I spoke to his wife and she had said we'd really love to know Sean's family we don't know anybody so him being the youngest a bit like me it feels like he's an only child and yet he's got seven other brothers and sisters can you believe it and he just feels like an only child so it's all a bit fucked but rant over let me bring this now into some beautiful chat i think reasons to be cheerful i lived to see another year didn't i it was my birthday i got there and i gave thanks because this time last year i had covid and i could barely walk down my stairs and that's when i felt my loneliest and most vulnerable i'm not gonna lie it was really bloody scary really 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 scary so that was really cool i felt good about that and then the Queen passed on my birthday. I'm not going to talk about it. It's being talked about left, right and centre. Our country's going to be in mourning till what comes seems like kingdom come. And she had a good innings, just like her mother. So uh, I realised from that on my birthday, which was Thursday, that I need to live a lot more energetically, passionately and really go for what I want and be around people a lot more than what I am. Not all the time, but I love meeting new people. I learned some powerful lessons from witnessing a conversation between the editor-in-chief of Vogue UK, Edward Enningfall, a, a Ghanaian guy who was brought over here years ago and has just gone all the way to the top. And he was interviewed by the talented Michaela Cole. Now in the UK, we've got this fantastic show called I May Destroy You that she starred, wrote and whatever. And it was just fabulous to sit in this live conversation at a beautiful venue in London and for me, the most powerful message was he may be at the top as a black gay man, but he's always going to bring people up the ladder with him. So it's absolutely fantastic. Fantastic. Loved it. And I thank my friend Sandra for buying me that ticket. We had a nice dinner before. It was fabulous. It kicked off my birthday week and then it went downhill a little bit. Bathroom vibes. I finally got my bathroom painted. The bathroom is literally finished. It's just fixtures and fittings and a bit of um, touching up to do. I'm really pleased. I'm really pleased that I put the time and effort into having a beautiful room that I just stand at the door and just stare at and think thank you to everybody who put in the time to make my bathroom what it is today, particularly Francesco Diaski, Dreski, sorry, and I know you'll be listening, Rosalba, but I have to give him the big props. He's an architect. He brought my vision to life. So thank you very much. That's her husband. Thanks, Rosalba and Francesco. Love you lots. 
Social envy. I'm putting this in here. Reasons to be cheerful about social media. It is nice that you can see people's lives in pictures, but sometimes I get social envy and I think it's just to the point that I was mentioning before where I think, why is it so quiet? Why am I struggling to find something to do? I'm just in a bit of a funk, people, and this is going on behind closed doors. And so I wonder if I take a bit of a break from social media, not from the dating site, so I need to keep going with that, don't I? I need to find myself a bloody husband. And then um, studio time. This is by far my highlight of the week. Everybody who's listened to this podcast, quite a few have said how lovely my voice is. It's like, Tina, you should be on a radio station at night and we can hear you, go to bed with you like that. I'm like, okay, you weirdos. But you know, sometimes you think, okay, quite a few people have said it and I'm talking more than 10 people. So what did I do? I booked in to go to a voiceover studio and get a professional reel done. I thought, let's see if there is proof in the pudding and see if I can get work. So it was such a lovely time, but it was so embarrassing. When I finished doing my, I had to read six scripts, anything from a holiday advert to Macmillan Cancer Support, which is uh, a charity that I'm really passionate about, actually, and I've worked for before, to Fox's Chocolatey Biscuits. And I came out of there and I was absolutely sweating because I put so much into it. I'm not an actor. I don't see myself as a voiceover artist, established, but I'm putting it in the universe. I'm going to get some voiceover work. I really, really enjoyed it and had a fantastic studio engineer that managed to turn it all around within four hours. And I've got it now. So I'm really pleased that investment I did. And finally... I am reading a fascinating book by uh, Jessica Huey, who was known for colourblind cards. I went to see her a few months ago, took a friend for her birthday in June in conversation. You know, I like these live things. And her book is called Find Your Truth and Embrace Your Calling, Overarched by Purpose. I saw her and I felt, okay. I need to read this book. And it's so deeply meaningful and powerful. It's gripping, but more importantly, it's relatable and really moving. And I just feel like she's there in the room with me. And I've never felt that before. I feel it because she's talking about her truth. And I'm going to read you a little extract right now. Be thankful for being able to contemplate your purpose. Start each day with intent and remind yourself you have a mission and that support of the highest power is accessible to you as long as you make yourself open and available to receive it. There's nothing to fear, for fear itself is a construct of minds raised in a fear-driven world. You know better than that. Stripped back and connected is where we meet ourselves and from that place of exposure, our true purpose, the calling that dwells within us all, will be revealed. I absolutely love that. So yeah, I'm giving this a bit of a plug Live your truth, people. So Jessica Huey, Purpose, Find Your Truth and Embrace Your Calling by Jessica Huey. Really nice, available on Amazon. And as you know, I'm really into my self-development books. I guess I'm just going to wrap up now and say live your truth like I'm doing. Some people find it quite, wow, Tina, you really are open. But the more I'm open with it about myself, the more I can feel at peace. And I know there's a lot of people, the Queen who's passed, but forget the Queen. Other people who pass may still go to their grave or wherever they go with ants in their pants, and that's not going to be me. I want to be at peace every single day I wake up. Of course, there'll be some fits and starts. There's a sense of release when you know what you know. Listen, if you've enjoyed this podcast, please do help me get more downloads and people listening out by writing me a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or just telling people about it. I've got another interview coming up next time, but it might not be in two weeks. I might just 
leave a little bit longer, but I'll be still here. Take good care of yourself, live your truth. Until the next time, bye.